obviously losing my husband and everything is just been so just such a hard thing to deal with in life. Um, nothing that I ever thought that I would experience. But with that, I feel like I'm to the point to where I'm noticing how far I've come on this journey and all the growth that I've learned. I'm grateful for the perspective that it's given me on what's important in life and what to focus on and how really at the end of the day, you know, the only thing that we're guaranteed is that we're going to pass along from this life. So we have to make the most out of every moment and find joy in even the darkest situations, which a lot of times is hard to do. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. I am excited to be chatting today with Victoria Moore, who is the founder of Yogi Mommy. Am I saying it? I want to say mommy because I speak Spanish. I yeah, that's it. exactly yeah. how you say it. It is? Yep. Mommy? Yeah. Okay. Do you speak Spanish, Victoria? No, I don't. I'm Portuguese and Italian, so. Oh, so the, yeah. okay, okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm Italian. My Rinaldi is my last, my last name. My dad's, yeah, my, it's my grandfather's last name. So that's, I'm, a, I'm Colombian and Italian background. Oh. So, um, nice to meet you. We're here chatting. We were chatting right before we started to record just briefly. And then we're like, well, let's just, just hop on and just, <laughs> Let's just start recording. Let's not waste any time. (laughs) Time is too valuable. So we're going to be chatting a little bit. You're going to share about um, your husband, your life, and what it was, what happened, and what it is now, and everything that's come. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll go from there. All right. So my name is Victoria Moore. Um, I am a homeschooling mom of two. I've been homeschooling for about seven years before... Everybody else was kind of forced oh, to do it. You are a real homeschooler. You're not like us that pretend that we're home. No, ours, no. we have the teachers do that stuff. You really are the one preparing everything. Yes. You're a real homeschooler. <laughs> yes. So I've been doing this for about seven years. So um, luckily for me, it hasn't been too big of a disruption in our life, um, which is good because prior to all this, um, I became a widow in May of 2019. I lost my husband to suicide. Um, He has struggled with depression and he took his life. And so that was completely out of the blue, completely unexpected. And it was hard to deal with. Um, I never expected to be a widow at 37 years old with two young children. And so one would think that- How old were they at that time? Seven and nine. Hmm. They were little babies. They were Very so little. young. It's so recent. And I didn't realize that it had been so recent, Victoria, when 
um, when we were chatting just before, I didn't really, it's just not even been two years. Yeah, no, it's been just short of two years. Mm-hmm. Um, 21 months on the 23rd of this month. Oh. Um, so yeah, you would think that the hardest thing was losing my husband. And that was definitely number two. Um, number one had to have been telling my kids that their mm-hmm. dad passed. Mm-hmm. That was very, very hard. And I don't think there's nothing that can truly prepare you for that. And so for me in that moment, I had to make a decision that my children, my babies had already lost their dad to grief. I mean, they had already lost their dad to suicide and I couldn't let them lose their mom to grief. Hmm. So at that moment, um, I knew that it was important to, you know, set an example to them to how to grieve in a healthy way. Um, I wanted to turn my pain into a purpose and use what I could to help others who are in similar situations. Um, Because in that moment, it was like my whole world just crumbled. And I didn't really know anybody who had gone through what I had gone through. And so prior to all this, I had actually um, been working from home when I was homeschooling my children. I had started a blog years ago when I was pregnant with my first daughter. And I would share with people just tips and tricks for how to live, you know, healthier and happier. And so I was very comfortable sharing with people. I had grown an audience. Um, And so I felt very comfortable sharing, hosting workshops, writing articles and blogs and, you know, things like that. And so I knew that I wanted to use my prior experience with my grief to share with others. Mm-hmm. Now, th- was this Yogi Mom? Was it your uh, your website, Yogi Mommy, that you used to share this prior? So this has existed prior to your husband's passing. Yes, so okay. it did. So I'm currently in the process of now that I'm trying to do more grief stuff. I'm I'm kind of trying to branch off and do more grief related to while keeping the Yogi Mommy because I still, mm-hmm. you know, I'm passionate about living healthier and happier, but I want to have something more grief related to, but I don't want them to. I don't want to overlap and push too much grief stuff on people that aren't on grieving. The other because, one. Got it. Yeah, I really feel like, I mean, I, I do still post stuff on there because I think it's important for non-grievers to have an understanding and learn some things because, you know. They will grieve at one point guard. or another. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to catch gonna... you off guard. <laughs> yes. Everybody's going, Every I, I actually feel everybody's grieved at some point in their life. Different mm-hmm. types of grief. Not everything is uh, death related when we yes. grieve, but everybody is grieved at some point in their life. And Correct. if they haven't, they will. So yeah. uh, being able to have those tools and have those conversations is beneficial. But like you're saying, you're going to create maybe just another, another page, another landing page to be more geared Correct. towards the grief as well. So that yeah, just you so are, I'm not you're an entrepreneur as well. You're in the health and wellness space like I am as well as I just mm-hmm. noticed in your thing. So you're an entrepreneur as well um, as a yogi, uh, you have your health and wellness products and, and you're also now also so you support, you coach as well and yes. create workshops. Yes. Correct. Okay. So everything that I had learned before really has helped me and my children so much on my healing journey because, because I was so passionate about health and wellness, I was certified in, you know, yoga and meditation and I'm a Reiki master and um, hypnotherapy, neuro-linguistic programming, mm-hmm. all of these like over 15 different certifications that really helped me to 
feel more emotionally balanced when I was, or I mean, I obviously I still am grieving. I'm going to grieve forever, but it has helped me so much. People are like, oh my gosh, you know, how do you do it? You're so strong. And truly I know that it's all of these tools that Mm -hmm. I have, you know, been learning and getting educated in over the past decade. And so that's what I I love sharing with people. Now, which one of these tools do you feel, I'm sure they've each served us a purpose throughout this journey at different times. So in the Mm -hmm. instance, in the immediate like instance, when you experienced your grief, when he passed away, when he, how do you like to express it? By the way, I always ask this to my listeners, what kind of words would you like me to, when he died, when he passed away, when he took his life, um, what would either, you like? Either is say? fine. Uh, the, I, they're, they're all fine with me. So either one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, after, after his death, what, what was your husband's name, by the way? Marcus. After Marcus, um, after Marcus died, what were some of the immediate tools you used at that moment? Well, I mean, honestly, at that moment when I was having to tell my children and I was having to answer questions to the police and I was, I mean, it was literally, you know, 20 minutes after he had passed, um, I went straight for my essential oils. Mm-hmm. I rubbed those on me, those, because I've done so much work with them, just the smell, the muscle memory from all the different work that I've done with it just completely grounded me and calmed me immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that I could easily do without having to like sit down and find, you know, 10, 15 minutes for meditation, or I couldn't sit down and journal right then. I couldn't really do anything because like I said, I mean, I was in a complete fog. My children are asking me questions. These policemen are asking me questions. I'm just looking around at my house being like, is this real life? Is this a dream? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, my first thing was I just rubbed essential oils because it was, you know, the, it affects the olfactory part of your brain, which is like the pow- the powerhouse of emotions. And so it was the quickest thing to kind of elicit a calming response so that I could get grounded and actually answer these questions without completely, you know, breaking down and crying. Yeah. Did you use them on your children too at the, uh, as well? Like was it I something? Did. Yeah. Yeah. I what? rubbed some on them and then I made a quick roll on and then I gave it to my dad and said, you know, take them to your house. You need to get mm-hmm. them out of here. So that when you you could deal with like the immediate uh, business, I call it around. That's exactly. a thing that people don't realize how much I in, I'm air quoting, you know, doing air quotes here. But mm-hmm. there's so many like logistical things that happen when somebody dies, and in this particular case, even more because you Absolutely. had other factors to to have exactly. in place, take into place. So, um, what kind of words did you use then? at that particular moment to let the kids know that their dad had died? And then how did you kind of navigate your own grief and at the same time theirs? Um, Honestly, it's kind of hard to remember because like I said, it was such a, a fog at the time. Yeah. I mean, I was very honest with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically they had, they were asleep when it happened. Um, And then they had woken up with all, you know, the police and the ambulance and everything. And they had originally thought that they were there for like a neighbor because we had a neighbor, an an elderly neighbor who the um, Mm, paramedics would come quite often. Yeah. Yeah, So when I came in the house, they were like, oh, my gosh, you know, they're here for the neighbor. And I just had to look at them and I said, no, they're here for your dad. And they were like, what? And I just had to say, yeah, you know, your dad's dead. And I couldn't really go into much more details at that point with mm-hmm. that because I didn't know what was the right thing to say because they were so little. 
you know, I wanted to be honest with them, but I didn't know if that was the right thing to be honest with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I did end up telling them actually that day, you know, the truth, because for me, I felt like that was the right thing to do. They were, even though they were young, my children are very emotionally mature and Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he has struggled. His suicide didn't come, I guess, completely out of shock because he, he had struggled with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it just was a shock because you never really think that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had kind of known that he was sick. And, you know, I just had to tell them, you know, his, his brain was sick. And, you know, it's sad. It's unfortunate. But I had to be honest with them because I didn't want it to be when they get older, they were upset that they didn't know the truth. Yes. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's those split second decisions, right. That you never really know, like, which way should I go in this particular moment? And in that moment, honestly, whatever somebody decides to do, that's the right thing to do because that's the only thing you know in that moment. So even if you choose to maybe not say the truth in that moment, that's the best you knew to do in that particular instance. And that's fine. But, and everybody just makes the choice based on their own circumstances, their own, Mm -hmm. Uh, their own ability to kind of even handle that themselves as to what they'd say to their kids. Absolutely. So like I said, there's no handbook in how to no, do it. No. Yeah. No, and no. even if and there even was, if there it were. Be the right. <laughs> yeah. I know we're both saying, we're like, wait, even if there were, <laughs> it's like, I always say that even like kids, uh, when my kids were little, I'm like, wait, I would post things on Facebook, like, um, uh, it, it, I haven't found that in the, any manual that says like, what am I supposed to do with these particular circumstances? You know, like there's no manual, you know, you, you have these children and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't even know what to do if X, Y, or Z happens. And even if there were a manual, like we're saying that every person's so unique, it wouldn't necessarily work. Mm-hmm. The instructions that may be on that manual would might not be the ones that work for your dynamic. So Exactly. They're like fingerprints, you know, everything's, it's different for every single person. So different. And like what you said in terms of even how people are in awe then of your, how you've been navigating then your grief journey. Um, as you even said, it's because you have all these tools that have helped you then in this process, right? So you, you have the, you were able to, in that split second, grab the, your, your essential oils. You knew exactly which one to rub to help you focus or to help you calm down or to whatever you needed to do in that moment of survival mode. Um, and then you knew to maybe do meditation, yoga at certain other points. You knew Reiki, so you could kind of take that. Um, with the NLP, like how did you use neuro-linguistic programming for yourself or did you use it more in the way that you would talk to your kids about it? How did, did, you, did that play a part as well? It did. So I would use it just in how I talked about my grief and my emotions in general, as well as how I would talk to the kids. Yes. Um, NLP is just really, you know, kind of like, like choosing words, like your, mm-hmm. yeah, your words and your beliefs and your thoughts. And so, um, just mixing all of that with, um, like with the meditation and hypnosis, I would start recording mm. myself. Um, I had recorded actually albums on iTunes prior to this for, one was like for birth because I did hypnobirth. I did both my natural. So I created like oh an album gosh. of that. I need to have you talk to my, my sister's a doula. She would oh. like love to hear about the hypnobirthing yes. or if she ever has a client that may, may need something like that. So cool. Yes. So yeah. So I had already recorded albums. So what I would do is I um, would go online and I would, I re- started recording albums for myself and I would put them on my phone and I would just listen to them at night when I would go to sleep. And so it would help me 
because um, especially when you become a widow, and I think just grief in general, but obviously mine is coming from a widow's perspective. Mm-hmm. My sleep was a mess. My sleep was all over the place. I was lucky if I could sleep for an hour and a half at a time. Um, the PTS nightmares were horrible. I was waking up like in sweats, um, just kind of like reliving the whole events of that morning. Um, and so the hypno meditations that I created were really helping me. And so then I started thinking, well, wait, I have two other albums I created. Like if this is helping me, like clearly it'll help other people. Oh. So I went in and like re-recorded them to be like a better quality. And then I actually released um, a grief to gratitude album, hypno meditation ah, album that's on man, iTunes. Look at that grief to gratitude. No wonder you're like, oh, this podcast about this, this resonates with me. If my oh, podcast I, is called. <laughs> when I saw you... your name, I was like, oh my gosh, it's meant to be. <laughs> I'm so about signs. I am so on that me wavelength too. with you, Victoria. I'm all like, oh my gosh, we were meant to be. We were meant to be BFFs because this happened and this happened. Oh, like, you know, life happened exactly how it's supposed to happen how cool that that oh, and so then when you released it did you do it on spotify or how did or did you put it on your so website I have it, it's on, um i think yeah i think it's on spot it's on itunes spotify and google music and how long is the um how long is the the the, the recording how long is it there's like, well there's yeah. um you know what let me know let me check there's i think there's like 16 different tracks there's all different ones so oh, there's wonderful. ones with like releasing grief there's ones that are like affirmations there's ones like connecting oh, with a loved it. one make sure to send me the specific link of that to add also aside from your website just the specific link to that so we could put it in the show notes and people can click on it and they can um they can be able to access that that's wonderful yeah what a great resource so okay so then you use that then for yourself then in that mm-hmm. process yes and then and what so- other yeah go ahead continue oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You oh, go, no. You I, so I, <laughs> we're both talking. Um, so yeah, so I, I do this, like I created the album and then um, I do just kind of like workshops or one-on-one sessions or even group sessions. I'm doing, um, I have 15 widows like a week from now. We just, she actually just messaged me right before this. Um, and so, yeah, I just love to share this with other people that are grieving because it's been so powerful for me. Wonderful. And now what has been then other, so you, you said, you mentioned your dad, you said the kids went to, with your dad, you gave the mm-hmm. roll-ons, what other uh, com- community or things, where do you live by the way, what area? I'm in San you're, Diego, California. You're in California. So yes. do you have family nearby? What other resources did you have aside from all these tools of the things you had learned? Did you have that support of friends and family during this time? Yes. So I was very blessed. So we were actually, um, we were supposed to be moving out of San Diego where I'm born and raised. Um, we were supposed to be moving out a week after my, or a week, mm-hmm. yeah, a week after my husband passed. He passed. Where were you going to move? Where were you going to we move? We were going to move up north up by his parents. Um, and that was kind of, I guess, con- a contributing factor to his depression. I didn't realize how mm-hmm. much he didn't want to move. Um, mm-hmm. And so. More towards the LA area? More yeah, LA. Central mm-hmm. California, like kind of near Santa Barbara. Okay. Yeah, like Santa Barbara area. I used to live in Cal. I used to. I I lived in California. I lived in LA for about eight years. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so like just up. north of Ventura, basically. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so we were gonna move up there, and then he took his life, and we. I ended up staying here in San Diego because for me, I couldn't just leave with 
when all that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were in the process of moving out of our house. So we, I had, you know, all my friends, friends from high school, their husbands, just, you know, neighbors, a bunch of people came over, helped me finish packing, helped me uh, move everything into storage and moved in with my parents for a few months to kind of just get myself situated. And um, then we, me and the kids moved about a mile from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we're very lucky. We have a strong support system. Um, I was very lucky in the sense that Somebody had mentioned to me, so I mentioned before that I had been blogging and stuff. So I had a really great online community. And one of my girlfriends who lost her, one of her twin sons um, in a home birth, actually, she Mm -hmm. had been grieving. And so she had met with a bunch of people and she had a friend who was a widow. And so she mentioned to me, um, it was called Camp Widow. And so I looked into it. And what that is, is it's kind of like a three or four day workshop type thing for widows. And it turns out it was in San Diego in my hometown about six weeks after my husband passed. So it was perfect for me because I didn't have to get a hotel or anything. Um, And I went to that and it was such a great resource because they had lots of just workshops of how to parent through grief and even dating after becoming a widow. And finances, um, connecting with your loved ones, meditation, yoga. They had different like networking mixers to where you can meet other widows that had lost a spouse in a similar situation. And it, for me, it was so great because becoming a young widow, like I said, I didn't know anybody who was in my situation. And so like young widows are like unicorns. When Mm -hmm. When people meet me, you know, they're like, oh, are you divorced? I'm like, no, I'm widowed. And they're like, wait, what? But you're so young. And I'm like, well, unfortunately, you know, young people die too and leave young widows. Mm -hmm. And so for me, Camp Widow was awesome because I didn't feel so alone and isolated. You didn't feel like a unicorn or you were, or you were with the other unicorns. Yes. (laughs) And so we just, it was being around other people that understood what I was feeling and just the complex emotions and everything that comes with it. And so that to me was so huge because I got to just meet with other people that understood it. And so even though most of them didn't live in San Diego, we still always keep in contact with each other. We check in on each other. We remember each other's, you know, like hard days, like when we lost our loved ones. And so um, we'll just kind of check in on each other or like on Valentine's Day, I'm, we'll all see each other like, you know, we love you because we know that you're not hearing it from from your, your other, from your, yes, that's so true. And so how, yes, about how, it. Was, how was it for you then? How, like, cause you've only had one Valentine, this, this coming one would be your second one, mm-hmm. your second Valentine's then like those kind of dates and the first Christmas and the first or whatever holidays that you celebrate, how did you navigate those? And thank goodness you were with your parents, but yeah. how were some of those events and what did you do to honor Marcus's, um, memory in those moments too. So what I tried to do is, um, like at Christmas time, I tried to do some of our same traditions, but I also tried to maybe eliminate one of the ones that I knew would be a little bit too difficult for us emotionally and try to create what, like things Um, that were like that, that like brought him up much more into your mind or yeah. So I tried to kind of focus on us creating kind of new family traditions without Mm. completely letting go of the old ones, but just kind of having it to where 
he was there. We talked about him, but it wasn't so heavy. The main focus, like it was not like the full focus of that particular event type of thing. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, for example, the first one, the first Christmas, um, I said I was canceling Christmas and I was online looking for cruises or trips to Europe because I was just going to take my kids because I was just like, nope, we're just not going to do Christmas this year. And my parents were like, you can't do that. So they ended up getting a cabin in Big Bear and me and my sisters and like the whole family went. And so that was really fun. And that kind of took our mind off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like his birthday, like last year would have been his 50th birthday. So for that, we went to his favorite restaurant and invited like his family and his friends and we went and we celebrated and it was good, but it was sad, but it was good. And we were glad that we did it. Um, Valentine's Day. I don't really remember Valentine's Day last year. I don't think that one bothered me too much. I think it depends also on what that day meant in you guys. Like, for example, my husband and I, but we don't do Valentine's is not like, it's just another calendar day for us. Like, yeah, that's how it was for us. Yeah. So I think that that's why maybe it's not that big a deal for you because for us it's like that it's just kind of like oh happy valentine's like and i you know and especially after we had kids you know even less like you know it's like i'll just buy them everybody chocolate or whatever like it's not like that big big a deal in our home so i think maybe that's why it's it you know maybe that's why it didn't mean too much for you last i think i do remember getting a little bit bitter like when people were posting Uh like flowers and stuff i'd be like "Eh, that's stupid (laughs) like i get off facebook (laughs) for the day or something but other than that like i don't think i wasn't like a sobbing mess i think i was just like Uh bitter (laughs) (laughs) that's a thing and that's the the complexity of grief is that that the emotions Mm -hmm. are not just always just sad it's not always just sadness as you said it could be bitterness it could be anger it could be resentment it could be gosh like what other emotions do you can you oh well and then with suicide comes with even like the shame and the guilt and you know what i'm saying thinking like what could i have done differently you know so um, much. Now, did you mention, okay, curious because my, um, my friend says that she can almost always know when somebody posts on Facebook, if it's by, if it has been by suicide, yes. just because of how it is, how did you share that announcement? And I, on social media, what words did you use? I just curiously, um, do you remember? I, Remember saying, I could pull up the post, but I, I probably something along the lines of, you know, I wish that you could have seen your potential. I wish you could have seen how much you were loved, mm. you know, because that's what it was is, you know, with, with, with suicide, they think that, you know, you're better off without them or they're almost like they're doing a, a favor, favor. Yeah. you know, like yeah, they're yeah. a burden or they're a problem mm-hmm. or, you know, you'll be better off without them. And it's suicide. I mean, depression lies to you. It completely mm-hmm. lies to you. It tells you all these different lies. And one day you just lose the war with those lies. Those were that, that it becomes so loud in their heads that um, that's the only voice they hear and not the not their other inner voice of the truth that's in front of them. They only exactly. hear um, the voices. Yeah. Um, what was your story with how did you meet Marcus and Um, I want to go there if that's okay with you. Would that be okay? Sharing a little bit about your, how you guys met and then becoming parents and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. well, (laughs) nothing glamorous. We met randomly at a bar one night. 
(laughs) (laughs) He told me like within probably 20 minutes of us meeting, he said, oh, I'm going to marry you. And I looked at him and I said, ew, do you know the quickest way to send a girl running down the street? Like, who (laughs) says that? Oh, my goodness. Um, But he was cute and he was charismatic and he was Portuguese and Italian, too. So Mm -hmm. we just kind of hit it off and we fell in love really quick. We got we moved in like after six months of dating and got engaged after a year. Um, We got married and then really got pregnant right away. We got pregnant on our honeymoon, but then we had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And then we got pregnant again and we had our daughter, Mia Moore. And she was born actually- Oh my! Mi amor, Amor, I love it. And do you write it just like that, Mi Amor? Yeah. Well, her first name is Mia, and then her last name is Mia Moore. More, Mi Amor. Oh, her. It's like so. More is. It sounds so perfect. So I thought it was Mi Amor more. So it's Mia Moore, but Mi Amor. Oh, so perfect. So Mia. Okay. Yeah. So she was actually born on our one-year wedding anniversary. So that was an interesting way to celebrate our one-year anniversary (laughs) um yeah and then had our son about two years later and And what is his name mason oh mason do you have m names i do too my kids are mateo and mila mine are both yeah mine are both m names m and m m and m's yeah that's what we are m and (laughs) m that's so funny i love it love it yeah and then we were married for about 12 years, almost 12 years. No, almost 11 years when he passed. When he passed away. Now, yeah. when did you start? Did you know that when you met that he suffered from depression? Did you know that at the beginning? I did. Or was it something? Okay. Yeah, it was something that he had um, struggled with prior to me. Um, but he seemed good. He was not on any medication. He was not talking to a doctor. He, I mean, from our whole relationship, there was no problems. Everybody, even everybody said like, oh my gosh, he's like a different person. You just make him so happy. Um, Until it was probably, it happened in January of 2019 is when it got really bad. And it just, since then, it just was like, just like a huge snowball effect. It was like before I even knew it, he had taken his life. It happened so quickly. Yeah. And then the in that particular time when his depression hit hard, was he able to work? Was was it or was it a debilitating? Was he able to kind of do you know the things, or was it debilitating that he even started to even not work? Or how? it was well, so yeah, so January is when he went on a leave from work. Mm-hmm. Um, he had told me in January that he had been having thoughts of taking his life. And so I immediately got him to a doctor. And so he had been seeing a doctor. He had been trying a couple different medications. And then that had happened, you know, that was from January until May. We went, we actually took a family trip to Portugal with his family, um, his parents, brother, sister, and nephew, and us and the kids. We went in March, end of March, I think. Um, And he was just way different on the trip. Because we had gone to Venice a couple years before, and that trip was so much fun. Him and I had so much fun. We would go out, and we would try new restaurants, and just like adventure. And when we were in Portugal, he was just really different. He was mm-hmm. just very distraught. He didn't 
really want to do anything. He just kind of like, he didn't, you know, he didn't want to even go out and sightsee or anything. It was really weird. And so that's when I kind of was like, okay, things are getting really bad. And we came back and um, had talked to his doctor and I was not impressed with his doctor at all. Um, and I had been kind of looking around to try to find somebody else. Um, but then everything just happened too quickly. Do you, do you feel like in, in these instances of all the things that come, the, the emotions, are some of those related to the choice of doctor for you, for what he had? Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I definitely. Or at least at the beginning. I mean, from that, my, yeah. from mm-hmm. my experience in general, talking to other people and having, so like my neighbor, um, where we had lived, her 18 year old son had taken his life six months prior to my husband taking his. Mm-hmm. And so I knew the struggle that she had dealt with, with the mental health system as well. So I was, even prior to my husband taking his life, I knew how broken the mental health system was. Mm. And so I had already been kind of researching kind of workarounds for how to get done what we needed to have done because the system is so broken. So that was, that's my biggest thing is just, you know, people that need help aren't able to get the help that they need in a timely fashion. And I wonder if the same applies to what we were just talking about before about the manual and there's no manual for grief, no manual for kids because everybody's so unique. I wonder if that's the reason that it's so hard to really get the right fit, yeah. um, not only of medication, but of even just the right therapist or counselor, or whatever, yeah. is because everybody's situation is so unique in their own mental health journey. Do you find that that may be the case of why it's so hard to really... Um, I don't know. Yeah. Make it. Well, I mean, yes, I I do think that because yeah, there's so many different complexities and different dynamics and just, you know, everybody's so different and so unique. Um, but from my experience, the problem is even getting an appointment in general. Oh, if you need to see a doctor, you're having, you know, suicidal thoughts or, you know, depression or whatever. It's like six to eight weeks out to even see a doctor. No way. Oh yeah. No way. Oh yeah. It should be like a 911 call type of thing. Absolutely. I that's wow. what I don't understand and especially with how prevalent suicide is. So that's why when my uh, when my girlfriend when she lost her son, they had an appointment. They had an appointment 8 weeks out and he took his his life on week 6. Oh. So no. when I had known that and I knew that we were trying to find a doctor and trying to get an appointment, I knew like I don't have that time to wait. I don't have that time to wait. So I had to figure out how to fast track it, which is not glamorous at all. Um, you basically have to go to the emergency room and sit there and wait to see a social worker who can then, you know, refer you to a therapist. And usually in order to even get to see a therapist, they have to admit you into the psych ward for like a day or two. Oh, wow. Yeah. So unfortunately, that's what we had to do. Um, and it was not glamorous. It was not cute. But that was the quickest way. Otherwise, it was going to take eight weeks for him to see anybody. And honestly, he was gone within eight weeks. And that was even with us fast-tracking and getting him to see a doctor. I'm so sorry, Victoria. Yeah, it's this. I mean, that. so to me, it's like it's not even the help that the people are getting. I think once they get the help, then it'll probably work if they get, you know, a doctor who can adequately help them. Um, but it's just, it's the getting the appointment. Yeah. Something has to change for sure. It has to. And especially with like, you know, with this whole like lockdown and coronavirus and stuff, like now it's starting to affect the young kids. Right. You know, it's like, we don't have this time to wait. We got to get, you know, you're having these thoughts. You need to see somebody within 24 to 48 hours, in my opinion. 
Absolutely. Even if it's through like, you know, a telemedicine Zoom call or something. Yeah, what what is that uh that one eight hundred that one eight hundred number and stuff too that there is right like is that what do they do like so that's the suicide hotline so I've actually never called it um but I'm pretty sure you know you're just kind of talking to somebody who is assessing the situation and if you are having suicidal thoughts um you know they find out how to get you help whether that be you know maybe having it's probably, you know, along the, the lines of the same thing, same having the police or paramedics come to you to take you to the emergency room so you could mm-hmm. see a therapist, mm-hmm. you know? It's like another, I, I guess it's also, there's such taboo still around the topic of mental health, don't, don't you think? It's like, just like there's taboo over the topic of grief and death mm-hmm. and and so forth. There's just such taboo. And until we switch that and really make it be like, it is just like any other illness, yeah. uh, you know, and needs attention when, and especially like in urgent situations like that, then, um, then nothing's going to change unless we, you know, the system changes, like you just said. Yeah. And that, well, yeah, we need to normalize it. Yes. Yes. We need to normalize it. And I feel like, especially for men, um, mm-hmm. you know, men don't want, to be seen as weak you know they don't want to be seen that they don't like to be vulnerable they don't want to open up and admit that something's wrong and so then oftentimes it's too late much longer yeah they hide their they hide it uh in distractions and this and that like from their family or surroundings so it's Mm -hmm. harder to even seek for help when you don't even know because it's right because it's hidden exactly um, from others yeah wow well that's like a whole other thing to be able to talk about and stand up for and create, you know, organizations to stand up for the, the, uh, change in, in this kind of, um, uh, help that is needed. Yeah. Well, that's my goal. I'm starting a, um, a nonprofit by the end of this year to help. Oh, okay. So here come, here come all (laughs) these aspects of gratitude and everything that comes. Look at, look, look at the, the, the 180, right. That people take and the, the, gifts that then we can give others because of our own struggles and our own, you know, pain. So like you said, pain to purpose, you meant, you said that earlier, Mm -hmm. right? So tell us then about everything that you feel so far in this almost two year journey that has shifted within you. And by the way, I'm looking at your picture right now on your website. Is that the one in Ve- the one on your website? Is this the he did? Is this in Venice that you? That is in Venice. At? Yeah, I hired a photographer in Venice to follow us around and take pictures. Oh, what a what a cool idea! That is such a cool. So on vacation to just have somebody be there with you oh, to yeah. just. Oh, I did it in Portugal too. Every time I go somewhere, I'm gonna do it. I think I love it. How do you do? How do you just like search and then just like search for a photographer in the area and then just like (laughs) there's a really cool I actually did a blog post about it there's on Yogi Mommy there's um a website called Flytographer and you go on there and you type where you're going and it'll show you all the different photographers in that area who they're contracted with and you can look at their different portfolios and you can pick one and you book an appointment and it's amazing I love it how cool. And it was the person with you like just the entire trip or like one day, like as your tour? We just hired her for a couple hours. And yeah. so it was awesome because, you know, you get to be with the locals. So you could ask questions like, where's the best place to go get a drink or the best, you know, where do I need to go visit that maybe isn't so like such a tourist spot, you know, yeah. they'll tell yeah. you like all the little secret spots. 
And plus um, they know the ones that are great for pictures. <laughs> exactly. They take you to all the best places for pictures. And then as a mom, I feel like as a mom, you're always the one taking pictures, right? Oh, yeah. You're not in the, but you're like selfies. Yeah. Uh, and exactly. all our family pictures, my head is like the closest to the lens mm-hmm. because I'm with my phone, like holding my arm like this. And then it's like, yeah. you know, big, oh my gosh. Okay. So sorry for the little uh, distraction there, but I was just like, oh, I got kind of like looking at that <laughs> and thinking of like, oh, this was one of the trips. So yeah. you, you tell us then what has changed then and, um, within you in the last almost two years and what, what things have you done aside from everything that you've already mentioned and you can relist them again? (laughs) Well, okay. So, I mean, obviously losing my husband and everything is just been so just such a hard thing to deal with in life. Um, nothing that I ever thought that I would experience, but with that, I feel like I'm to the point to where I'm noticing how far I've come on this journey and all the growth that I've learned. I'm grateful for the perspective that it's given me on what's important in life and what to focus on and how really at the end of the day, you know, the only thing that we're guaranteed is that we're going to pass along from this life. So we have to make the most out of every moment and find joy in even the darkest situations, which a lot of times is hard to do. um, And it looks different for everybody. And I don't know, how to tell you how to do that, but it's just something that you have to try to do, whether it be through your children or walking in nature or finding a new hobby. And yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just really kind of shown me what's important in life. I don't stress about the silly small stuff anymore because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. I don't try to control everything anymore because guess what? You can't control it. (laughs) The more you try to control sometimes, you know, God or the universe decides to throw you for a loop. Not to say that, you know, that's what what happens is like, you know, God making you like you deserve something, but you don't know what's going to happen. And so you just need to enjoy every second and try to find joy and love everywhere you can. That's wonderful. Now within your communities, then talk about then the different things you do. Then you have Yogi Mommy, you have Mm -hmm. the blog, you have your women's group. So share a little bit about all these other ways in which you're giving back. Yes. So um, right now, my only current website is just the yogimommy.com. I'm hoping to um, create some some additional ones for my additional services. But right now, everybody can kind of connect with me through that on Instagram and on um, Facebook and through my blog. I do offer one-on-one coaching and group coaching. So I'm actually creating a six-week program for widows that should be starting next month. Um, and we do all sorts of different techniques. So I basically empower you to learn techniques that you can then do on your own whenever you need it. So it includes the hypnotherapy, meditations, tapping, aroma freedom technique, all sorts of just different um, mind-body modalities, breath work, journaling, all sorts of things. And then I have my album, my Grief to Gratitude album is up on iTunes and Google Music and Spotify. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you so much because, yeah, you've just kind of shown everything that can can come from something so hard. I always think of it even just like um, birth, right? Like if you go through something so hard mm-hmm. and all these pains, although you probably didn't because you had a hypnobirth, so you probably... <laughs> Oh, I felt it, girl. I still felt it. 
<laughs> I didn't feel I had I had an epidural, so I'm one of those. I like I had extra help, and still, of course, I felt the contractions beforehand and all that. But the um, yet something in in a painful moment of you know, and it really is traumatic, even for the child being born in that yeah. moment. Yet something so beautiful comes from it. So in these kind of situations with even grief, it's a lot of it, a lot of beauty can come from it um, as well. And you're demonstrating that. Now I'm going to ask you to share this because I was about to like comment yesterday. I just got distracted and didn't end up commenting in your stories about your new tattoo because it's, I see it now on your logo. Can you please share? I I saw an infinity. I saw infinity. Mm -hmm. I saw Lotus and I saw the crescent moon. So would you mind sharing whether with me or the listeners, if you don't want me to like keep this part, I don't have to keep it. So So. it is a unilome. And what that is, is a unilome is a um, Buddhist symbol of basically kind of like the journey of life. So Mm -hmm. it's that, um, you know, the path to life is not straight. There's twists and turns and lessons to be learned and mistakes to be made. And so each unilome is a little bit different. And so the one that I created with my tattoo artist, Sam, um, includes a lotus flower because lotuses bloom out of mud. So they bloom out from, you know, when you think you've been covered in mud, you've been thinking you've been covered in dirt, you've been buried, you actually can, something beautiful can bloom out of the mud. And then the moon, because the moon has so many different phases and so do we with our emotions. Um, Our emotions, you know, wax and wane with things just like the moon. And so... That explains my little design. It says so much about your journey, just the you know, and and thank you. It 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 sh- it just even that expression. And I I don't have any tattoos, but I like to ask people about it because I I feel that if somebody were to put something on their body that's going to last forever, it has to have a lot of symbol you know symbolism and meaning. And yours just has this a spirit you know such a beautiful spiritual connection to it and um and thank you for sharing that it says a oh, lot about you. about you and your journey and your beliefs as well uh and like you said like twists and turn it's not always just from a to b and that's it nope yeah, <laughs> exactly. lots of different detours to along the way in our life and um and i love that description of the the lotus bloom in mud um i just wrote it down because it might end up being the title of this podcast. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the lotus blooms out of the mud. <laughs> the lotus blooms out of the mud. Yeah, I put that in. Then I put the, the pain, it. pain into purpose. So the the little things that that strike me like that, I write them down, and sometimes end up being the title of the episode. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else I did not ask you that you'd like to share? Um, any last words that you want to share in this podcast? I think that's it. Thank you for having me. This has been such an honor. I've loved chatting with you for the past hour. Too. Thank you so much, Victoria, for yeah. for sharing and for the kids to um, to have mommy be on podcast. I'm sure they're so used to doing their own thing now with homeschooling. So thank you for for taking that time to share your journey. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. 
I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.